Well, it is indeed a tremendous joy to be here with you this evening. I've been looking forward to this opportunity. Always uh, counted a blessing when I can come and be here at uh, Olive Branch. It was my privilege a few years ago to uh, conduct a gospel meeting here, and I enjoyed being with you then. And it's good to hear the great growth that this congregation is having. We rejoice in that and want to commend you for the work that indeed that you're doing. And just keep it up. It's good to be associated with the elders and appreciate the confidence that they've expressed in me by allowing me uh, to be here to preach God's word. We're all just co-workers together, of course, with God. And so uh, we're, we're grateful that God allows us to be involved in his work. It's good also to be associated with Brother Hickson, Brother Jared Rhodes, and appreciate the work that they are doing, and uh, just, just keep on keeping on. Now, one of your elders said that I, I could just say all I wanted to about Tuscaloosa. Now, I, I don't know if you know which one that would be, but for some reason he seems to have a tie with Tuscaloosa. I actually spent the night, I was down in Louisiana on Sunday and I was headed to Georgia on Monday and uh, preaching both in Louisiana and then in Georgia. And so I spent the night in Tuscaloosa, pretty close to a, I hear they have a college over there. And so I was pretty close to that, that college that's at Tuscaloosa. And he said I could just say all I wanted to about that. But then another man came to me though and said that he'd rather me uh, mention something about the work that's going on in China. I have just put out uh, an article in the Yoke Fella that describes a great opportunity that is ours in China to produce a book that's hopefully going to go into every university, at least it's going to be made available for every university in China. Now that's unprecedented, isn't it? And it's going to cost us about $10,000. Uh, we have about 7,000 of that already pledged to us. I've, I received two phone calls today and brethren are getting excited about that possibility, one congregation said, write us down for 3,000. Another guy I called, in fact, uh, I was to return his phone call, and he said, well, we're going to do at least 1,000. You know what? That's encouraging to see brethren getting excited about uh, us with the possibility of carrying the gospel into other places. So I'm formulating a book. It's going to be about 300 pages in length, and it's going to be published. It's going to be translated in Mandarin and Chinese, and it's going to be published by China Publishing Company, and then China Publishing Company is supposed to make it available to every university in China, Taiwan, and Hong Kong. If they will do that, that's, it, will go to the, it will go to the libraries in the university. And if they will do that, hopefully that will, for years to come, uh, that will be available. And so anyway, that's in the works, and I wanted to mention that because there's a lot of people in China, just like over here, that need to hear the gospel of Christ, but there's multitudes of people in China. And then, Lord willing, I'll be going back there in uh, November uh, if the Lord wills. I'm glad that you've had this great gospel meeting, and I'm sure that the speakers before me have done an excellent job in presenting God's Word. Tonight's topic is very important. It's entitled, The Last Day. The Last Day day. All of us should be interested because all of us are going to be involved on that day. Whether you're alive, whether you've already passed on. Even people, if the Lord allows time to stand, and people who are yet to be born, 
this day is going to affect them as well. It's a very pertinent topic then, the last day. It may be the case at times we think about the last day and we think about, oh, that's going to be the day I die. Well, the last day may come before you have that opportunity to live out your life and die. The Lord may see fit to wind things up and one day indeed it will be then the last day. The Bible tells us about the last day. You may notice on the screen, I think it's above me here in John chapter 6, you might notice some of the passages that deal specifically with the phrase, the last day. In John chapter 6, starting in verse number 39, the word of God says, And this is the Father's will which has sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but I should raise it up again the last day. And this is the will of him, verse 40, that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Verse 44. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Again, as we continue on, verse 54. He says, Whosoever eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Jesus often talked about the last day, didn't he? These then are coming from the word of God, that is, from the lips of Jesus Christ. You come on over to John chapter 11 as it relates to uh, Lazarus being dead. In John 11 and verse 24, Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Martha and Mary and no doubt all the others who were followers of Jesus knew about the last day. They believed in the last day and they said, we know Lazarus is going to be raised. We know that that's going to happen at the last day. However, our Lord was going to raise Lazarus even before then. And then a little bit later on, Jesus again says in John 12 and verse 48, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word which I have spoken, the same shall judge him at the last day. Now, all the way up until John chapter 12, we've been talking about the righteous. But when we come to John 12, 48, we're talking about the unrighteous. And so the, both the saved is going to be affected by the last day. The unsaved or the lost, consequently also, are going to be affected on the last day. The last day is the final day. It is the consummation of God's plan regarding life here on this earth. I didn't say we're going to uh, cease to exist on that day. It's just the consummation of God's plan as it relates to the things here on this earth. It's the last day on this earth. And of course, once you get into eternity, you don't have days. So indeed it is then the last day. The word last is an interesting word. It comes from the Greek word uh, eschatos, from which we get the word eschatology. Now that's probably one you don't use with your grandchildren every day. That is eschatology. But eschatology is indeed then the study of final things, the study of last things. It has to do then with the end of time. And so there's a course that sometimes that is taught called eschatology. The word last comes from that same word from which we get the word then eschatology, the final day. However, we want to distinguish something as we enter into this study this evening. We want to distinguish the phrase the last day 
from the phrase, the last days. The last days. Somebody say, says to us, do you think we're living in the final days? The last days? I say, well, yes. Oh, you think Christ is about to come? Oh, I don't know. But you see, we've been in the last days since the day of Pentecost. In Acts chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And so what Peter is saying is, this is the last days. Now that's been nearly 2,000 years ago, hasn't it? In other words, this is the Christian dispensation. There had been the patriarchal period. Then there was the Mosaic period. And now then we're in the Christian dispensation. Not going to be another dispensation of time after that. Consequently, the Christian age is the last days. Plural. Hebrews 1, 1 and 2. God who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son by whom also he made the worlds and so on. So here he says that they were living in the last days. So are you living in the last days? Yes. But so has everyone else since the day of Pentecost, since the Christian age began. But now we're talking about the last day. We're not talking about the last days tonight. We're talking about the last day. There is coming a day which God calls then the last day. I appreciate the uh, songs that Brother Sasser chose to lead us in uh, tonight as we were uh, looking. There's a great day coming. I hold to God's unchanging hand because time is filled with swift transition. There's coming a day, indeed is the last day. What is it that's going to happen? As you can see from the screen here, we have people who are just about everyday activity. That's true, isn't it? People are just buzzing about. We're all making plans. What am I going to do tomorrow? And here we are putting in, we're making our plans, but we don't know what we're going to have tomorrow. Today might be the last day, if God wants it to be the last day. You remember the rich fool which said, Oh, I know what I'll do. I'll pull down my barns and build greater barns. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast many, uh, much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. And God said, thou fool, you foolish one. Tonight, or this day, thy soul will be required of thee. Now that's not the last day as far as humanity is concerned, but it was his last day here on earth. But he was making plans, and I have an idea that everybody here probably has plans for the future. I remember back when I was in the school of preaching back in 19, none of your business, <laughs> long time ago. <laughs> I had a, a, a classmate and we were getting ready to graduate. Some of you suck at your fellows maybe can uh, uh, identify with this because one of my classmates said we were talking about Christ coming and he said, oh, I surely hope he doesn't come till I graduate. He put all that work into going through the school of preaching and, and he wanted to graduate. Well, I, I don't think that's the determining factor on when Christ is coming as to whether or not I've graduated from my last course I'm taking or something, but there is, a, there is going to be a time that is the last day. What is it that's going to happen on that last day? Well, several things will happen. But one of the first things that's going to happen on that last day is, number one, Christ will descend from heaven. Christ is going to descend from heaven on that day. Jesus has promised, John 14, 1 through 3, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. 
In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. Notice that. Jesus says, I will come again. That where I am, there you may be also. Now, isn't that a wonderful promise? You ever think about that? You ever look in the clouds and think, could this be the day? Could this be the day that Jesus is going to come and I'm going to go into heaven and I'm going to be with him forever and ever and ever? Well, that's going to happen someday. Because he is coming with the clouds, Revelation 1-7. Behold, he cometh with the clouds. Not only that, but he's coming with his angels. Not only his angels, but with his mighty angels. 2 Thessalonians 1, 7 through 9, And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. Jesus Christ is coming again. Angels are going to be with him. And when that day happens, there's going to be the sound of a great trumpet. In 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 16, Paul writes to the people at Thessalonica, and he says, now notice this, for the Lord himself. This is so important that Jesus is not sending a representative. He himself is coming. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with the uh, shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God. It's going to be a loud day. It's going to be a loud event. People talk about the secret coming of Jesus. Too much noise in that passage <laughs> for it to be a secret coming of Jesus. He's coming with the shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God. And by the way, 1 Corinthians 15, 51 tells us that that's the last trumpet. Eschatos, again, winding it up. Not only nothing in the sense that there was a first one, then there's another one. The last one means this is it. Things are, are wound up, as it were. This is a consummation of it. And so Jesus Christ will descend from heaven on that last day. Another thing that's going to happen is every dead person will be resurrected. All of the people who have passed on all the way from the time of Adam up until the time that Jesus comes, everyone is going to be raised from the dead. John 6, 44, No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me. Draw him, watch this, and I will raise him up at the last day. He's going to be resurrected. Can Jesus do that? He's done it before. He can do it again, right? He raised Lazarus from the dead. Others were raised from the dead. and He himself was raised from the dead. So he, it's, a, it's a proven uh, demonstration that Jesus Christ can raise the dead. All people, good and evil, will be raised the same hour, the last day. Now that's important to realize because there's a system of teaching that denies that. But John chapter 5, verses 28 and 29 says this. Marvel not at this. For the hour is coming in which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice. And they shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. Now who is it, Jesus, that's going to come forth? Oh, all people are going to come forth. When are they going to come forth, Jesus? At that same hour. That same point in time, 
Everybody's going to be raised from the dead. You see, the system of premillennialism teaches that there is a thousand and seven years separated between the resurrection of the righteous and the resurrection of the wicked. Because they have the resurrection of the righteous, they teach what is known as the rapture theory. And so in the rapture theory, when Jesus comes, the righteous dead are going to be raised. Then there's seven years of a rapture. Well, there's tribulation, they say, taking place on the earth. And then after that, Jesus Christ comes back to the earth after the rapture and sets up his kingdom, which, by the way, has already been set up. In fact, 1 Corinthians 15 tells us that when Jesus comes again, he's going to deliver it up, not set it up. It's going to be delivered up. And then, when, according to that theory, though, Jesus sets up his kingdom in Jerusalem, going to reign a thousand years. So you put the seven plus the thousand together, and then at the end of the kingdom age, as they call it, then the wicked will be raised and the judgment take place. So you've got a thousand and seven years. Friends, that's a long hour. <laughs> a thousand and seven years. Because the Bible is just so plain when it says the hour is coming which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice. And they shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. Consequently then that same body that's been deposited to Mother Earth it shall be raised incorruptible. It is the same it, by the way. If you take the time to read 1 Corinthians 14 or 15, it is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. Same it. That, you see the word resurrection literally means to stand again. If the body is not raised, it's not a resurrection. It's a recreation. But it's a resurrection to stand again, implying that it once stood. So that's what's going to happen on the last day. Jesus Christ is coming. He's going to descend from heaven. Every person will be resurrected. And then thirdly, all nations will be gathered before him. All nations shall be gathered before the very presence of Jesus Christ. In Matthew 25, starting in verse 31, when the Son of Man shall come in his glory, set upon the throne of his glory. It says, all nations shall be gathered before him. Notice that, all nations are going to be gathered before him. And he shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. He's going to set the sheep on the right hand and the goats on the left. You know, there are some nations that may have some, a lot of power to them, including ours. We might think we won't bow to anyone, but we will. Every nation is. All nations, all ethnic backgrounds are going to bow before Jesus on this occasion. Interestingly, we think about all the nations that exist right now. But nations that existed prior to us also will be there. Do you remember reading in your Bibles in Matthew 12 and verse 41? that the men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. Behold, a greater than Jonah is here. So the men of Nineveh are going to be present on that day. You see, the men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with the generation to which Jesus was speaking and, of course, with our generation. So that's interesting to think about all past nations also that have ever existed. Not only will the men of Nineveh be there, the queen of the south, the queen of Sheba will be there. Because the Bible tells us again in Matthew 12, 42, 
that the queen of the south shall rise in the resurrection uh, with this generation and shall condemn it because she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, a greater than Solomon is here. Why, here was a person that had so much wisdom that this lady wanted to come from a long way. This queen wanted to come such a great distance to hear of his wisdom. Boy, it's hard to get people to come listen to Christ nowadays, isn't it? But this lady traveled a long way. And Jesus said that she's going to rise in judgment with this generation and condemn it because she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, a greater than Solomon is here. But she's going to be present then, as you can see, on the day of judgment. That's what that passage teaches. So we see then the universality of the judgment. Consequently then, Jesus Christ is going to descend on that last day. All the dead are going to be raised. All nations are going to be gathered before the presence of the Lord. And then also the earth and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Open your Bibles, if you will. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 10. You see there were those who... Peter termed as scoffers who would be saying that where's the promise of his coming? For all things continue from the beginning of the uh, creation. Peter reminds them you, you forgot uh, an event, the flood. All things have not continued. There has been a catastrophic event that's happened that affected the whole world. That was the flood. Now the same word that brought the flood on the world is the same word which says that Jesus Christ is coming again, but why hasn't Christ already come? Well, Peter says, the Lord's long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But now notice, if you will, in verse 10, wherein he says, but the day of the Lord will come. But how's he going to come, Peter? As a thief in the night, what's going to happen? In the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. Can you imagine standing out there and having the ability to, uh, if you could stand away from it and just observe it. And you hear that great noise as the heavens are passing away. And then the elements that are found shall melt with fervent heat. And the earth, now we're on the earth, but can you imagine being away from the earth and seeing this? The earth and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought we to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Looking for and hastening to the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. God is going to, this is the consummation of it, you see. This is the last day. God's through with the earth. It has served its purpose. And now then, God burns it into nothingness. He burns it up. You know, it won't matter whose name's on the mailbox on that day. It won't matter whose name's on that great house or on a ranch on that day. It's all going to be burned up, isn't it? Someone said, how much did he leave behind? Someone replied, all of it. <laughs> That's the case, right? And even that which is left behind, God's going to consume. God's going to burn it up. Now, we live in a material world. I recognize that. We need material things. But friends, that's not what our life is about. 
they are things to be used. And even in the advancement of the cause of Christ. What are we going to do with all that that we've been hoarding up? Going to give it back to the Lord when he comes? I remember a man on an occasion, he's no longer with us, but he was trying to raise support for the work in the Philippines, and I mentioned to him, I said, well, the property that you're on over there, the church on, I said, Don't, no, aren't you on about 20 acres? Well, come to find out, it's about 40 acres. <laughs> His reply immediately was, because he saw where I was going, <laughs> he said, yes, we're going to keep it too. And I remember Brother Cates was sitting in that same meeting, he said, what are you going to do? Give it to the Lord, and he comes back. <laughs> well, we got plans for it. Well, I'm not saying it's wrong for the church to have 40 acres if, that's, if they have need for it. Uh, I don't need 40 acres. But be that as it may, if I've been hoarding up whatever it is, the Lord's going to burn it all up anyway. Why not use it in the service of the Lord? You see, Luke chapter 16, the rich man who fared sumptuously every day could not get a drop of water on the other side of life. Had everything they wanted, fared sumptuously, not just every once in a while. Friends, his ship came in every day. He fared sumptuously every day. But you know what happened? He died. He died. He left it all. And he was lost. I have an idea. He would have traded it all for one more opportunity that you and I might have this evening. If he could obey the Lord. Maybe not. Maybe his attitude still wasn't right. But God's going to burn it up when he comes back because it has served its purpose. Then the judgment will be rendered. The judgment's going to take place. In Acts 17, 30 and 31, it says, At the time of this ignorance, God winked at. But now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Why has he commanded all men everywhere to repent? Because he has appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, in that he hath raised him from the dead. Judgment day is coming. All wickedness is not punished in this world, but we don't get away with it. And not all righteousness is rewarded in this world. There are people who have died in doing righteous acts. If there is no judgment, no reward for that, well, Paul said, we're of all men most miserable. There's a judgment day coming. Who's going to be judged? Who's going to be the judge on that occasion? Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.10. He's coming to judge the world. He says, for we must all gather before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in his body according to that which he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Well, if you've done good, there's great rejoicing. If you've obeyed God, you look forward to that event. I have an idea that if uh, I had a rich uncle to die, evidently uh, I don't. <laughs> that hasn't happened yet. I've had uncles to die, but none of them rich, evidently. Or they didn't think of me if it were, if they were. But at any rate, if I were to go before a judge and he says, you know what, you've been left an inheritance, you show up Monday morning at 9 o'clock and I'll divvy out this inheritance to you. I wouldn't be dreading that day. I'd be looking for that day. I'd be excited about that day, wouldn't you? 
Now then, our Lord then says we have an inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. And when he comes, he's going to give you that inheritance. Oh, that's a good day then. So the judgment's not a bad thing for righteous people. It's a good thing. But for wicked people, it is a bad thing. Because they know this righteous judge is going to do righteously. He's going to do what is just. Now, we know of un, or injustices, rather, that have been done at times. We say, he got away with murder. Friends, we don't get away with anything before Jesus Christ. Now, we can be forgiven. And it's no longer on our record. But God's not going to just, quote, overlook it. He's not going to overlook that sin just because it was me. You see, he'll forgive sin, but he doesn't overlook sin. If God's just going to overlook sin, he didn't need to send Jesus. He could have just overlooked everybody's sin. But he didn't do that. Jesus had to die the death because God doesn't overlook sin. So it's going to be a righteous judgment. And what's going to be the standard? Friends, it's not the latest popular opinion in denominational world. It's not what some religious leader has said that the world liked. It's not even what some brethren have said in the church of our Lord. Rather, it's going to be the word of God. I remember years ago when Brother Guy Woods was in a debate with an individual. This individual said, well, some of your brethren say such and such. He said, I signed the proposition the Bible teaches. He said, I didn't sign the proposition what my brethren teach. You see, I'm not, well, while I'm concerned with what my brethren say, that's not the standard of the judgment. The standard of the judgment is what God say. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word which I have spoken the same shall judge him in the last day. Therefore, all those passages I've been trying to work around are going to face me in the day of judgment. You can even take your pen knife and cut them out if you want to, but they're going to be there on the day of judgment. And so therefore, the standard of the judgment is going to be the word of God. The judge is Jesus Christ. And then finally, on that last day, the destiny will be rendered. Your destiny will be given. Some will hear, enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. What a blessing. Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. But unfortunately, some are going to hear, Depart from me. Ye that work iniquity, I never knew you. You don't belong to me. You've been working contrary to the will of God. You wanted nothing to do with God or the things of God while here on earth in the time that you had the opportunity. I don't know you. Depart from me into everlasting fire. Prepare for the devil and his angels. We don't want to hear that. Some people are going to go into heaven on that last day. Matthew 25, 46. But some are going to go into hell. Matthew 7, 13 and 14. Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth unto destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. For straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. 
Did you know if there are only eight people doing what's right, that's all that's going to be saved? <laughs> that's all it was in Noah's day. Sometimes people say, that many people can't be wrong. Oh, yes, go back and ask Noah. I even heard of a religious leader once among us. Now he's departed. But he said, I would not serve a God that limits his fellowship to just a few. And I thought, how ridiculous. Has he forgotten about Noah? Well, Noah had an opportunity to either serve the Lord or get off the ark. <laughs> Which one would you have chosen? I think I'd stayed on the ark, wouldn't you? I want to serve God. But God won't overlook you if you're serving him. That's the point. Even the few. If you're one of the few who is serving God, God doesn't overlook you. Two sparrows are sold far a farthing, yet not one of them falls to the ground without the knowledge of your father. Then he said to his disciples, even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. You're more value than many sparrows. You are very precious to God. You're created in his image. You belong to God. You are his child. He seeks to bless you. He sent his son to die for you. He wants you to go to heaven. You don't have to talk God into that. He wants you to go to heaven. Friends, he's not going to take you contrary to your will. Jesus stands at the door and knocks. He doesn't come up and beat the door down. He's not an intruder in your life. He only comes in by invitation. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and openeth the door, I will come in to him and sup with him and he with me. We don't get into Christ by trickery, by fakery, but rather by simple obedience. When's that day going to happen? When is the last day? People have tried to guess. People have listed days as being when the last day was going to happen. You know, one of the latest ones actually put out a time, you know, put on billboards when, the, when that last day was going to be. I wrote him an, uh, an email. They had a website, and I said, do you really believe that Jesus Christ is going to come on that day? Do you really believe that's going to be the end of the world? I've never heard back from them. Because if he had said, yes, that's going to be the last day, I was going to send another email and say, would you please sign everything over that you own over to me for the day after that you've said Christ is coming? Just to see, do you really believe it? Well, he never even responded. I, maybe he's, I'm not the first one who's ever done that. I don't know. You see, people don't know when Jesus is coming. Now, how do I know we don't know? How do I know that we don't know? Because Jesus said we didn't know. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. But of that day and of that hour knoweth no man. No, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. You see, God can take care of that. I don't have to know when it is. Just be ready. That's all I've got to do. Just be ready. And that's what he tells us in Matthew 24, starting in verse 37. He says, But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For they were eating, in the days of Noah they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. You see, here's old Noah telling people that Christ, uh, that uh, flood's coming, but they didn't pay any attention to him. So they just went about every day, much like today. Stopped over here at a shell station a moment ago. A man's trying to uh, sell me something uh, to clean my windshields and things like that. And I said, hey, I'm going over here to preach. Okay, hope everything goes well. He didn't say, hey, can I go over there and hear you? <laughs> he 
You see, I guess he's still doing it. Nothing wrong with selling cleaners for your car and things like that. But what I'm saying is, what if this were the last day? It's just going to find us doing everyday things. Nothing abnormal as far as daily activities. But then Christ comes. That's it. It's over. Eternity has begun. Where am I? Am I in heaven? Or am I in hell? In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. That's how quick it is. Friends, when that happens, if you're not ready, you never will be ready. But if you are prepared, you're forever ready. You'll be forever blessed. Therefore, I need to be busy doing the Lord's work. Jesus says, the night cometh when no man can work. Jesus knew that day was coming. The Father knows when that day is. It could be today. What if the last day were today? Are you ready? You know what? You can leave here ready. God wants you to be ready. This meeting's been planned so that you could be ready. So that people would be ready. We want you to be ready. You have a lot of friends here and family, perhaps, who want you to be ready. God wants you to be ready. You've heard the word of God. Believe with all of your heart this evening that Jesus is the Son of God. Repent of the sins that you've committed against God. Confess that Jesus is the Christ and We'll be happy to immerse you in water this evening for the remission of sins, just like they did in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. Or it may be that you've already done that, but you haven't been faithful to the Lord, and you want to come back because you want to be ready for that last day. Why not do that tonight? If you're subject to the Lord's invitation, it is His invitation. He's the one that's inviting you. Once you come to Him, as together we stand and as we sing.